All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to begin reading in verse number 43. Before we read, let's bow, ask the Lord to bless the, uh, the, the message, the word, as we read it together. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would build up our faith. Lord, you know our hearts, and you know how often that our faith is weak and it just, it lacks. But Lord, as we look at the Word, uh, you said that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So uh, build our faith, strengthen it, increase our faith, we pray. And as we look at this uh, somewhat radical thing that you spoke here, uh, we know that to us it is, it is common knowledge for the Christian. And uh, I pray that you'd give us the strength to, uh, to follow it, and especially, Lord, to see your example and to see how you, you followed what you told us to do. And uh, you set an example for us that was impeccable. And uh, we pray that you would be glorified through this, even as we, as we listen, as we uh, speak on your word. We pray that you would guide and that your spirit would teach all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43, the Bible says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just, and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect." Now, it's, it's interesting to me that, of course, the Lord is speaking. He's speaking in Galilee at the Sermon on the Mount, which is beside Galilee. And he says in verse 43, so he's speaking to the Jews. And uh, he says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Now, what's interesting to me is the Old Testament does not directly say that. And this, this is not attributed to the Old Testament either. It's actually just a reference to, uh, to the, common kind of, uh, the common kind of knowledge or the, co- the common sort of understanding and the thing that's passed down from generation to generation is kind of the summary of what the Jews believed, the Bible said. It was always a good thing to go to the source, to go to the fountain where the water comes out. Because once it goes downstream, you, you don't know what's in it. I know, I know that because one time, and a little, a little bit of an embarrassing story, my children and I several years ago were doing a hike. We are hiking up Table Rock, and I did not bring enough water, and it was hot. And uh, so we were hiking up the mountain, and uh, my kids well remember this. And uh, we ran out of water, uh, I guess only about two-thirds up the mountain or halfway up the mountain, and it's like a seven-mile trek uh, up and down, something like that. And so we were, we were, we weren't even, we weren't even near the top. Not that that mattered a whole lot because you still got to come down. But, but we ran out of water. So 
they have these little streams that come down out of the mountain, right? And uh, they're just little tiny uh, streams of water. And so I was thinking, you know, I, we were thirsty, so we we're like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're just gonna drink some of that water. I mean, it has to be clean, right? It has to be clean. I mean, you're up however high you are, and there's nothing above it, right? It's coming out of the ground, and it's not like there's much above you. So we thought, you know, we could risk it. Well, it didn't turn out all that, all that, that great. Um, because I, apparently whatever was in the water was downstream from the source, and it was kind of not exactly clean. Now, we didn't get all that sick, but we did get a little bit sick. And, uh, but that just goes to show you, you got go to you got to go to the source. Well, they had gone, they had heard these things, and the Lord is directly addressing. And I love the way the Lord Jesus, when He directly addressed uh, the people, he, he did not pull punches when it came to the common things that were spoken that were wrong. He just, he called him out and he addressed it because the Bible says that he spoke as one that had authority and not as the scribes. In this case, the thing that had been spoken was, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Again, that's not directly stated in the Old Testament. There are some places where the Lord does directly refer to, uh, of course, in, in, the, in the law about loving one's enemies. And it does, uh, you know, you look at the imprecatory Psalms, the Psalms in which the psalmist is praying for judgment upon his enemies. You have that. And there's a few other passages, but this stated directly is what they've done is they've kind of taken a hodgepodge of things and they put it together in one little, one little saying or one little axiom or principle, and they're living by it. And we know from the story of the Good Samaritan, who knows, who knows what the main point of the story of the Good Samaritan was, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. What's the main point? The Lord was answering a question. What was that question? Anybody remember? Who is my neighbor? What does that tell us? Jesus said. Jesus told that man right before he gave the parable, he, he, he told him that he should love his neighbor as himself. And the man said, well, then who is my neighbor? And so Jesus gave him the story of the Good Samaritan as a, as a reply to that question. But that shows and demonstrates one thing, that the Jews were constantly... We're constantly twisting what the Bible said to fit what they wanted to do. In other words, they didn't, they were trying to, any, anybody that they did not like, they were trying to kind of excise them out of the definition of neighbor so that they could treat them poorly, basically. Right? And then on top of that, they said, and hate thine enemy. And when you say that, uh, you can. Uh, that just basically opens the floodgates to basically whatever you want to do to them. If they are your enemy and you don't like them and don't have a good relationship with them or they have harmed you, then you can, you can uh, fulfill and you can practice any sort of retribution or ill will or sinful behavior toward that person, and it's okay. It's even sanctioned by by the uh, the tradition of the of the Jews, and so the Lord is directly attacking this. So I want to just point out a few things about this. First of all, that's what verse forty three is. What you might what we might call the conventional wisdom, the conventional wisdom. That's a thing that had been passed down uh, from through the generations, and the and we know the Jews had a lot of traditions and such that they passed down. But that was the conventional wisdom. If someone does you wrong, you can get them back. And they, they would, of course, say eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which was not, was not really supposed to be applied 
on an individual basis. It was really kind of a principle that was to be applied legally, right? And, and we even agree with that, the, the idea of the eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. But not you taking out someone's eye if you had your eye put out on an individual basis. But see, they took that and they ran with it and used it as a pretext. And so you have the conventional wisdom that is right here. And then also in verse number 46, this is, this, uh, this is repeated a little bit. The Lord says, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? What's a publican? Anybody know? It's a corrupt tax collector, widely known as being corrupt people. Now, the, 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 the standard wisdom, the conventional wisdom said, basically, if, if you had an enemy, you could treat them however you wanted to treat them, and if they wronged you, you could get them back. You could, you could wrong them in return. You could, you could practice retribution. And the Lord says in verse 46, He says, the publicans, they practice this, this very thing. They love the people that loved them, and they hated the people that hated them. Now, what the Lord tells us to do in verse 44 is very difficult for us to do sometimes because he tells us to love our enemies, which is the exact opposite of what the, what the this society thought or, or had, had come to understand was, was the right way to, to, to act. And the problem is that our natural inclination, our natural inclination, when someone harms us, when someone has ill will toward us, and when someone uh, mistreats us, our natural inclination is to respond in kind. And where does that natural, you notice the word I use, natural inclination come from? It comes from our flesh. A little, little bit about what we talked about on Sunday. It comes from our flesh. That natural tendency, it's the, Pastor Stewart mentions it, the reaction can we react as a Christian? Well, that when someone harms us, what is our reaction? Our natural inclination, I think it's in all of us, is to treat people in the same way that when they harm us, at least, that we harm them in return. They say bad things about, about us, we say bad things about them. They mistreat us, we mistreat them. They rip us off, we rip them off. That's normal. That is the standard operating procedure for the world. And any place that we see someone not operating under that, 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 on, on that principle, the reason they're not operating on that principle is because they've been influenced by what the Lord said in some way, even if they're not a believer. But it is perfectly natural for people to act on these, this kind of inclination. This is the world. This is the world. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Hold your place here. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans In verse 17, it says this, Recompense no man evil for evil. 
Now, why is the Lord saying this? Why is the Lord saying this? He's saying this is because there, there is a natural tendency for us to do this. Again, this is the, this is the MO, they say, the MO of the, of the world. Whenever, whenever, whenever I'm harmed, I will, I, will, I will harm them in like kind. I'm going to treat them like they treat me. But they never mean that in a good way. They mean it always in an evil way. The second thing I want us to see, and we're going to look at a few other verses uh, in Romans as well, but uh, from Matthew, so you can kind of hold your place in Romans because we're going to look at those again. The same thing we see is an enemy. Jesus said, "Bless, uh, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Now, what is an enemy? An enemy is someone who has ill will toward you. It's a very broad term. It, it, anybody who has ill will towards you or intentionally harms you would be your enemy. Even if you don't have animosity toward them, they have it toward you. Now, with an enemy, um, to, put it, to put it plainly, no Christian should ever have an enemy. Because to have an enemy, you look at, look at the verses in Matthew 5, verse 44, look what it says. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them. Look at what the enemies do. So this is a description of the enemy, okay? The description of an enemy. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It's, it's very simple. An enemy is a person who doesn't, who doesn't like you, has ill will toward you, and mistreats you. Now, as we look at this, this doesn't have to go both ways. Uh, another, a, a second person being, being our enemy because they have some personal animosity toward us doesn't have to go both ways in that we have, we're an enemy to them. Now, there's sometimes that people are people do show this kind of behavior toward us and, and are, they are our enemies because of the gospel or because of our testimony and our our stand for righteousness in the sight of God. And sometimes that costs us. When we acknowledge and we make known to people that we are, that we, that we are Christians, and we tell them, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm a Christian, and I'm, I try to follow the Lord, and I'm not, I can't be involved in that. Sometimes people will become our enemy. And, uh, and then sometimes when we are just, when we do something that, we, we take a stand on something that, that other people are doing, they're involved in it, and we, we withdraw from that because we want to obey the Lord, and we try to be as gracious as we can, but our withdrawal is offensive to them, and so their response is they mistreat us. They set themselves as an enemy to us. Some people just, just hate God. That's just the bottom line. Some people just hate God. And anybody that's associated with Him, they hate, they hate them. But the thing is this. Uh, we have to understand what an enemy is. An enemy is a person that desires to do you harm. As I said, that doesn't mean that we are their enemies. Because on our end, even though they desire us harm, on our end, we have no ill will toward them in like manner. We are not their enemy. 
They count us as an enemy. We do not feel the same way toward them. Jesus said, the Lord said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, as we move on, let's look at a third thing. We have two different things happening here that I want to point out. If you turn back to Romans, we, we touched on it in the book of Romans. In, the verse, in verse number 17, it says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Now, look at uh, another place. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. says this, verse number 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Now we look at these two verses, and there are others that we could go to. And then we look at verse 44 in Matthew chapter 5, and we see two different things. In the one case, in Romans and in 1 Thessalonians, we see the Lord, the Lord tells us, to not recompense or repay someone who does us evil. Now, we know an enemy is a person that does us harm, who has ill will toward us, okay? Even though it might not be mutual. Let me just stop there and ask you a question. Do you have any enemies? Do you have any enemies? Now, they they might not be an enemy to the point that they want to kill you. But you don't have to be an enemy to that degree. But do you have any enemies? An enemy is what we read in Matthew 5. Do you, have, do you know anybody that feels towards you in that way? They desire to do you harm. And they feel ill will towards you. They persecute you. They hate you. They despitefully use you. That's an enemy. Now, so ask yourself, do I have an enemy like, like that? Okay, so if you have, if, if there is someone who is an enemy, that means they mistreat you. And if they mistreat you, the Lord says, do not recompense evil for evil. In other words, he doesn't want you to answer in like kind. They do you harm, you don't do them harm in return. But verse 44 of Matthew chapter 5 goes a step further. Because verse 44 says what? Love your enemies. So you have both. And you might say, Incomplete obedience with complete obedience. The fact is, people, if you live for God, the Bible says, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In other words, people are going to mistreat us because of the name of Christ if we live for Him. And people are going to mistreat us because of the the sort of righteousness that we want to practice in our life At some point or another, they're going to mistreat us. Sometimes people will mistreat us for other reasons that aren't related to our faith. But yet our response must be the same. Number one, we cannot reply in like manner. Sometimes we we have a tendency to, to compartmentalize our life. So if someone's mistreating us in a way that is not related to our faith, 
then we feel we have liberty to mistreat them in the same manner. But on the other hand, if someone is actually directly, uh, you know, directly persecuting us or harming us because of our faith, then we have other rules. No, you, we have the same rule. We do not mistreat people, even if they mistreat us. The Lord says, recompense no man evil for evil. Recompense, to repay, pay back. He says, don't do that. But loving your enemies is a step even further. Because loving your enemies means that you are actively seeking their welfare. You are not only restraining the the tendency or the inclination you might have to get back at them, but you are actually actively seeking to do them good. And this part is the part that is utterly and absolutely absent in the world. This part. The part where we love those that hate us, we love our enemies, we love and care for and seek the welfare of people who have ill will toward us and have harmed us. That is unknown in this world, even in religious, the religious circles. I'm talking about members of Baptist churches even. Now, I want, to say, I want to say, loving your enemies is utterly and totally impossible unless you have the love of God in you. Now, I'm going to say a little bit more about that in just a minute. You cannot love someone who does not love you. You cannot, because that's the, remember, we, we talked about the conventional wisdom, the natural inclination, love people, love you. Now, for everybody else, you can't possibly love someone who, who hates you and despises you and treats you badly on purpose unless you have a higher principle, unless you have a higher experience of love and unless you have the power of God in your life and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is not something that can be done with just in the flesh. And this is not just mere good sentiments. This is not like, well, I'm just not going to say anything about them, but you're seething on the inside. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. Loving your enemies doesn't mean you just smile when you look at them, when you, when you walk by them, and you just play like, you know, play like everything's good. No, that's not loving your enemies. Loving your enemies is, it, it starts in your heart and it comes out. It's a genuine care and concern for people that have harmed you and have ill will towards you. It's a genuine care and concern that, that manifests itself with you actually doing things actively to help them. Look at what the verse says in verse 44. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. I asked you a minute ago, do you have any enemies? Even if they're a little bit of an enemy. Now let me ask you a second question. Do you love them? Of course, oh, of course, I love everyone. Well, hold on. What have you done to actively show your care and concern and love for that person? Actively, intentionally. That means you're actually take, you're not just you're not just pinching your mouth closed to not reply in like kind in, in, in the same kind. You are actually make, taking an active step to 
show the love of God. Now, why do I say that? To show the love of God. Because God did that to you and to me. The reason we can show people that uh, show people love that are our enemies and have harmed us and have ill will toward us is because we have known that love. We have known that love. That's God's love in, God's love in us. Now the last thing I want to point out here is the motives. Look at verse 45 in Matthew. Uh, Verse 44, I'll read it again just to get the context. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Listen to the motive here. That ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. Now, you, you should have your place in Romans still, so let's look at that real quick. Romans 12, and we will read similar language, verse number 19. Verse 14 says the same thing as the Lord says. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Again, you see not only bless and curse not, so curse not is a reference to retribution. But bless them is the reference to that loving your enemies, that extra step. And then verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, no retribution. That's half of it. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now listen, if you desire God to repay your enemies and really give it to them, do you really love them? Now you know God's going to deal with it. But if that's your desire for them, you haven't, you haven't crossed, you're, you're at the first part but you haven't crossed into complete obedience. I will repay, saith the Lord, verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, here we go, feed him. You see that active step? Now, this is not a guy on the street. This is not a poor person. This is an enemy, someone who has in the past harbored ill will towards you. They don't like you. They would not do this to you. They have actually hurt you, he says. Feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. Now look at verse 21. Again, speaking to motives. Why do we love our enemies? Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If you reply to evil done to you with evil, evil has conquered you. You have sinned by being tempted with the evil that others have done to you. If you reply in the same way, you have been defeated. That's what this is saying. But look what it says. But overcome evil with good. The only way you can avoid being defeated by evil, and this speaks to the motive, why do we love our enemies, is the reply that you give to that evil done to you is good. Now, that's that extra step. Giving good in place of evil, not just merely withholding evil from the person that harms you, but that extra step of doing good. In that way, you overcome the evil. You are the victor. That's the first motive I want you to see. And the second motive is back in Matthew. The first one is, we love our enemies because 
That's the way we overcome that temptation to reply. Not be defeated by, by the evil. That is, not be, not be dragged into the evil that they're doing and then our relationship with God is harmed thereby. Second reason is back in Matthew, it says this, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. The second reason that we love our enemies is because we want to be like our Father. Now you see in this, you see an argument and a, and a, a support. How does the Father love those that hate Him, that are evil? Well, He has a Son and He has rain. And He makes no distinction as to who gets those, those blessings and those benefits. He gives them to the good and to the evil. So that's an argument from creation, right? But there's an argument that's even more grandiose than that. Let's look at it, and then we'll be finished. Look at the book of Luke, if you would, chapter 23. Luke 23, verse number 34. They have led the Lord Jesus Christ, the same person uh, whose sermon we just finished reading. They've led him to the place of the skull. They have nailed his hands and feet to a cross. The Jews are filled with rage against him. The Romans mock him and despise him. He is surrounded. He is surrounded by the most ungodly enemies. They are bloodthirsty. And the first words that he speaks from the cross are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See that? This is not just, of course, we know the Lord could have just absolutely just leveled the place. He could have come down from the cross. So the Lord did not merely withhold judgment, though He did. And that would have been righteous judgment. But He went the extra step to pray to His Father. That's what He said. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. He went the extra step to pray for their forgiveness. If He is praying for their forgiveness then that means the Lord is concerned about where they stand with God. And that means the Lord wants them to be made right with God. The Lord wants them to be made. He wants them to go to heaven. The very people that have crucified Him. He loves them. He loves His enemies. They were not His enemies. They had chosen to make themselves enemies against Him. He had no ill will toward them. He had not wronged them. They had ill will toward the Lord, and they had wronged Him. They had harmed and mistreated Him. They set themselves as an enemy. That's why I say, the Lord had no enemies. The Christians should have no enemies. Because the Christians should have no ill will toward others and should have no mistreatment of others. 
No mistreatment, even if they harm you, but rather love toward your enemies. Now look at Romans chapter 5, if you would. Not only on the cross do we see our Lord um, showing love toward, toward his enemies, but then in Romans chapter 5, verse number 7, the Bible says this, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, or that, that means perhaps, for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> Listen, Jesus came into this world to die for sinners, not righteous people. He came into this world to die for rebels, not holy people. That's you and that's me. He came into this world to die for people that did not love him. Much more than, verse 9, being now justified by his blood. That's what we just read about, shed on the cross. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, look at the words, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What does God say we were right there? We were God's enemies. And yet the Lord came into this world shed his blood for us, and died on the cross to reconcile us to God through his blood. He was concerned, even though we had set ourselves as an enemy of God, he was concerned about our welfare nevertheless. He loved his enemies. Look at Colossians, and this is the last verse we'll go to. Colossians chapter 1. Verse number 20. It says this, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you. Now, when you say that, I want you to, I want you to look at yourself. I want you to think me, Okay? And you, say me, that were sometimes, sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. See that? We were enemies of God. We were rebels against God. We didn't know God. We didn't love God. Oftentimes we hated God, disregarded His laws. We did not care for Him at all. And the Bible says we were enemies of God by our wicked works, our wicked, our wicked mind. That is, the inner part of us loved sin and rebellion. And yet the Lord still came, sought us out, went to the cross knowing what we were full well, and did us good. You see, do you have an enemy? You know, 
There are people in our lives that we have a hard time getting along with because they have harmed us. And we, we hold on to that, that anger. They have harmed us. They have done us ill for no reason. And we know that. But the Lord says the only reply that we have for those people that's pleasing in His sight is to love them. And you know what? To, you, for you to do that, it's not, it's not even possible. You, you can't, I can't do that. You can't do that. It goes against our very nature as human beings, lost, fallen human beings, to love people that harm us. But you have, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ truly, you have experienced that very love. And I dare say that whenever you meet with that person and you come across them or they come before your, come, come before your mind, I dare say that probably the Spirit of God will remind you of the love of God that has been shed abroad in your heart. He'll remind you of His love. And when you're resistant and I'm resistant to the Lord's prompting to do well to a person who's my enemy, He'll remind us and say, I loved you. And I died for you when, you when you hated me and when you were in rebellion against me. You know this love. It's divine love. You know what? Just like the Lord says, he mentioned the publicans and how that the publicans, they love their, they love their, their, their friends. They love those that love them. But the Lord wants, us, wants to set us apart from them at a higher standard. It's not like the world. The, Lord, the world loves those that love them. But the Lord wants us to set, us, set at a higher standard because that will glorify Him. That will lift His name up. And that will, that you will become a, a, an example of someone that can demonstrate in real life what the Lord did for us 2,000 years ago. Because you love your enemies like he loved us. Even though we were sinners and were enemies of God. So do you have any enemies? If you do, when's the last time you did something good for them? When's the last time you prayed for them? When's the last time you did, you did kindness for them? Let's pray.